Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, a conversation with Ohio's Adjutant General on how and why Ohio is going to be one of our nation's premier centers for cyber warfare. Major General John C. Harris commands several branches of the U.S. military in Ohio, including the Air National Guard, which just got the go-ahead from the U.S. Air Force to host the Guard's first cyber warfare wing at their base in Mansfield. Harris, who began his military service in 1981, says how they looked at the battlefield back then is far different than how they see it today. As a young officer, we knew that defending the nation, we really looked at, you know, three domains that we worried about. We we worried about land, we worried about the sea, maritime, and we worried about airspace, air superiority. Now, we really have to think about that in in five domains because the original three, of course, land, sea, and air, but cyber has become a real contested space, and it's very important that we maintain our freedom of maneuver there in the cyber realm as well as denying the same of our adversaries. And space. Space is contested now. Satellite constellations protecting our ability and our our use of our capabilities as well as, if necessary, the need to deny our adversaries the use of that stuff, that electromagnetic spectrum. So these are two brand new domains or relatively new domains that are really the emerging future for how we defend the nation. So Mansfield being involved in cyber and possibly space is going to not only improve the long-term relevance of that base, but ensure that our our people on a day-to-day basis, most likely, are going to be involved in those contested environments. And it's pretty exciting, quite frankly, to think that our people will be involved in defending our nation on a day-to-day basis every, every day. So how do you anticipate that cyberspace and outer space together, what's that look like in terms of a combined battle space for you? It's really the confluence of of three things. It's the confluence of intelligence, knowing what our adversaries are doing and understanding what they're doing with those capabilities, both space and cyber. And then, then cyber, the ability to look at the information spectrum and to preserve it and protect it for us, as well as knowing what our adversaries are doing in the information realm. And then lastly, space, the ability, again, to maintain our ability to see what's happening around the world, to understand what's happening around the world, to track things that are happening, to protecting our GPS and our navigational capabilities. All three of those functions work together. They work as a team to preserve our nation's capabilities. You mentioned that some of the airmen that you have now who are used to flying planes are going to change direction a bit and focus on cyber. Yes, we, we have we have some folks that will convert in place. They'll go they'll go to school to get reclassified, retrained on new sets of skills. Others will probably transfer to air bases or and other places around the state or around the nation so they can continue flying airplanes and that's perfectly fine. But we do know that there's a there's a percentage of people there are a percentage of people there on that base who indicated that they'd like to stay in place and convert and and, and learn this new mission and focus on this new new environment. 
What kinds of cyber incidents do you foresee they might be handling? Probably less about incidents and more about persistent engagement. This is about involvement and protecting our freedom of movement in the information warfare spectrum, and that's like an, on an ongoing basis. So, you know, one of the things that, that is important, we have to understand the levels of conflict and there's competition and then there's pre-crisis and then there's actually conflict. So as we move through the phases of conflict, we have to remember that we're in a level of competition with some of our adversaries all the time. Cyber is one of those places where they are constantly trying to limit our ability to use the information spectrum, constantly working to steal intellectual property, constantly working state and non-state actors to deny us the capability to use our system. So this cyber warfare unit will be, uh, I imagine, engaged on almost an ongoing basis, again, to help ensure that we're protecting our national interests, as well as, in some cases, probably working to deny our enemies the same. So the type of infrastructure that you would be protecting is what? Are we talking about federal agencies, state agencies, perhaps critical infrastructure like dams and bridges and things like that? I don't. I won't get too much into the specifics about what the unit will be doing and probably have to get used to hearing that quite a bit about the Mansfield base because of the nature of what they will be doing. You'll probably hear that phrase quite a bit that we can't get into specifics about what they're doing, but suffice it to say that it'll be protecting critical infrastructure that's uh, vital to our national interests. And when you say critical infrastructure that is vital to national interests, are we specific to Ohio or really does it have kind of more of a broad kind of application nationwide? It will have a broad application, I imagine globally. Uh, one thing about cyber is that, you know, cyber does not recognize geographic boundaries. It does not recognize county lines or state lines or even international lines. So to be effective in the cyberspace, we have to be engaged persistently, and we also have to have a significant reach in order to be effective there. So I will say it will not only be local, my anticipation is that their engagement would also be outside of the state as well as global. Are you going to be building new facilities, and how many people will be employed there? We look to add at least 170, 175-ish additional National Guard positions there. We don't know the ratio of how many of those additional positions will be full-time, but I anticipate an increase, pretty notable increase in the number of full-time employees, uh, active duty and federal civilian technicians that work there at the installation. We don't have those final numbers yet, but there will be growth and the employment footprint there at the Mansfield Air Base. I had heard that as many as 3,000 employees could be there, including some members of the FBI. Is that true? Well, I can't speak on behalf of our federal partners just yet. Those would probably be questions that you'd have to ask the FBI. But this will be a very important node, not only Ohio's cybersecurity infrastructure, but the national infrastructure. So. I anticipate pretty significant growth in partnerships, not only with academia, but as you mentioned, with some of our federal and state partners, even industry, gathering there in the geographic vicinity of Mansfield to take advantage of the closeness of the relationship, to build a relationship, but also to grow what will be kind of a stronghold or a foothold for cybersecurity. And quite frankly, as a note that really will help make Ohio the premier state here, 
in the country for cybersecurity, a, a cybersecurity center of excellence, so to speak. We also talked to University of Akron computer science professor John Nicholas, who is actively involved in training the next generation of cyber warriors. I think this is an extension of the work that we have done with the OC3 here in Ohio, which is the consortium of private and government and public sectors and education coming together to try to make Ohio a far more cyber hygienic and cyber secure state, started by Governor Kasich and continued by Governor DeWine. And so to have that base there with the military capabilities, and, and I also just found out from a meeting I just came from that the FBI is also going to have a presence there, and it was announced at the, uh, at the local InfraGuard meeting, which is a, a security meeting just the other day, that they expect that there will be about 3,000 people employed there, either through the FBI or through the Air Force or through private contractors. When it's the Air National Guard, you think of cyber offensive, you think of that in a military sense, but the FBI, they're more domestic focused. So would they be then more focused on tracking down people here in our country who did attacks or maybe just investigating what happened to U.S. companies and such? I think it would be a combination of both, really. I mean, certainly the military now has to also start worrying about the domestic terrorism problems that we are uh, they're starting to crop up, and that would also then fall under the jurisdiction of the FBI because at that point it becomes more of a law enforcement until somebody actually launches an attack. And the military, of course, is, is generally to defend our shores and not defend us against necessarily uh, our, our own people, uh, unless, of course, they become insurgents. So what, they'll probably be working in conjunction, looking for patterns. So that way, if the Air Force happens to see something and it happens to be domestic, they can hand it off to the FBI. And if the Air Force is seeing something, for example, some chatter from overseas or something, or something does get compromised and they don't have the forensics capabilities that they can hand it over to the FBI, and the FBI can use their forensic skills to determine you know, who the perpetrator was and how to recover the data, that kind of thing. Next, we turn to the private sector and talk to incident response lead Tyler Hudak from a global information security consulting firm headquartered in the Akron area, Trusted Sec. We wanted to look at cyber defense from that perspective as well, because President Biden is making cyber defense a major focus, and he recently talked to executives from Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and other big tech companies about what they can do to better protect both their own companies and the American public from cyber attacks. I, I think the private sector absolutely has responsibilities to help protect the, this type of data, the, the data that they own, as well as you know, critical infrastructure. I think a lot of people have to realize that you know, even though the government has regulations around a lot of this critical inf- infrastructure, it's still owned by private organizations. And even if we weren't talking about those specific private organizations, those private organizations have suppliers. Uh, this is what's called supply chain. And attackers have started to realize that it's probably more difficult to get at the the organizations that own this critical infrastructure, but it's much, much easier to get at the supplier who has access through the back end to that organization. And so because of that, you know, there are a lot of different companies, uh, private companies, that really could affect the security of all of these different systems. And so each of those organizations, each of those companies, needs to take security very seriously to make sure that they're not the reason something happens and you know, some of this critical infrastructure or, or um, sensitive data uh, gets released. 
then what are you advising your clients and what are you doing for them to ensure that, let's say, even these smaller types of companies that are in the supply chain are staying safe and doing the best kind of cyber hygiene that they can? We recommend that, first off, they have it within their contracts to make sure that these companies are secure, that they at least attest to the fact that they are up to the security standards of the organization and that if that organization does have a breach of some kind, that there's a requirement for them to notify the the other organization so that they could take any action that is needed. Uh, outside of that, a lot of organizations, too, before a supplier or a third party becomes a partner, they will require that they have a some type of security test uh, performed on it, either like a vulnerability scan where somebody is looking to see you know, what vulnerabilities are present within the organization, or something like a red team test where it's a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more in-depth to see how far an attacker could go so that that organization can patch those defenses. I think those are definitely some of the better ways to, to at least start. Uh, you know, by pushing your suppliers and by pushing your partners to get better security, that's eventually going to make the whole uh, infrastructure uh, and ecosystem more secure overall. Do you find that businesses are starting to take cybersecurity more seriously these days, or do you still find that a lot of people just look at it like it's too complicated, they don't really understand? I think a lot of you larger and medium to large organizations are absolutely taking cybersecurity seriously. They are putting in programs either because they're required to because of those contracts or because of breaches that they've had or because of regulations, but we're starting to see more and more companies reach out to us and and other organizations to help shore up their security and get all the plans in place should they have some type of incident. The smaller organizations, we are seeing them starting to become more aware of security. The the issue with smaller organizations is, in my experience, it's, it's not that they don't want to become more secure. There's a cost associated with that. And if you are a small organization and you have one IT person who keeps all the systems up, they don't have time to work on security. So because of that, the the cost associated with it is a lot of times, honestly, just out of reach for, for some small organizations. We do try to help them out. There are a lot of free resources that they can go to in order to gain the knowledge of how to secure their systems. And so slowly it, it's becoming a more secure environment, but the, the smaller organizations, I think, are going to have a harder time for a while. That was Trusted Sec Incident Response Lead Tyler Hudak. Many thanks to him as well as to University of Akron computer science professor Dr. John Nicholas and Ohio's Adjutant General, Major General John C. Harris. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>